Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to be motivated by your host, Reverend John Wheeler! Now shut up! You shut up! Sit down! Shut up! Shut up! Put on a show for everybody. Hello! Uh, I was just talking about when this will be extra sad in 20 years and when I'm still doing it, but I have to have like plastic surgery to regain the ugliness of my 40s. Um, no, this episode, as promised by the, uh, you know, I, I got 500 YouTube followers, so I unlocked that thing where you could do polls and ask questions that That's nobody amazing. answers to or listens. I actually forgot about that. Like, when I first started this YouTube channel, which has been an aimless, pointless thing, we're like, you know, like, oh, we'll make these funny videos. And then it's like, oh, the green screen stuff's a lot of work and whatever. And eventually just boiled down to, like, I'm just doing a weekly podcast for an hour and my music videos go on here. And if you don't like that, you're in the majority. Okay, um, and I'm back. I mean, I survived it, my... Uh... Brush with Harry Connick Jr.? Yeah, thank you. That's... Yeah, it proved, he proved to just put on such a fireball of a show. Just it was like. Knocked me off my feet for four days. Yeah, it was like Fantastic. watching Jerry Lee Lewis in his prime. He was up there fucking his underage cousin and doing backflips and Jeez. kicking the piano. But yeah. Yeah, that's... he did kick that piano like a lot, huh? Who? Jerry Harry, Lee Lewis? No, Harry. Harry. He, he didn't kick it, he didn't use his feet. Fun. Where I was watching his feet. Well, maybe that's what knocked your socks off so much is that I that man. I didn't even really see him, but you had he, the best view. Well, he was just alive with the stamina of a man in his sixties phoning in a musical career because he was in Independence Day. Um, and, and Copycat. Copycat was a good movie. I don't think I ever saw Copycat. Oh my god, you need to see it. He played an amazing uh, serial killer. I re I think I remember when it came out because I think I remember that's when we all learned. About copycat killers or whatever, yes. like that, which may or may not even be like a real. Th it might just be a movie trope, but everyone. It's got Sigourney Weaver. Oh. Um, that one guy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Michael Bean. No. Everyone loves Michael Bean. Um, but whatever, it was good for when it came out. I mean, I don't know if it still holds up well, but. Uh... Probably, for sure. Uh, well, Gourney Weaver, you can't go wrong. No, I love her and everything. Gourney Weaver really can do no wrong in my eyes. And like, man, what a what a fine example of like being a bizarre through line. Like, I wasn't like my favorite things in the world aren't aliens and Ghostbusters because of her, but yet there she was. Mm -hmm. And I liked her when I was too young to have a boner, and I liked her definitely when I surpassed that <laughs> line in the sand. And you know what? I still do. And I think you found and posted a bunch. She like did like these like weirdly like supermodel gothic sexy oh, like yes. photo things or yes. whatever. Like Jesus, like it's like people like her back then. Like uh, for example, the actress that played Lily Munster were these like just unbelievable smoke shows that they almost kind of like nerfed. Like, well, let's put you in shoulder pads and give you this just sort of curly haircut and make you just be this like business lady when you're like the they almost they almost hit it well it's weird because now you would just play everything up but then it was like well in the 80s and i guess the 60s with the original monsters well, but yeah, she true. she was like a fucking pinup like queen or whatever uh that that actress who like you know obviously was pretty she had a betty page kind of yeah she had a bunch of pictures like that and people were like wait really <laughs> and like it wasn't like she was unattractive on the monsters but they it's almost like, oh, we're gonna make you look like a mom. Like we don't, you know, we don't want preverts watching the show. We're not gonna like gussy you all the way up to the nines, like your sexy pictures. Uh, and I feel like they kind of did that to Sigourney Weaver a bit. Like we're gonna, we're gonna make you a little bit more no nonsense than like, you know. But she's actually like an accomplished actress too. So it's like, well, we don't, you know, yeah. Like you're playing a role. Like this lady at Ghostbusters is just, you know, your average person who can afford a penthouse in Central Park West in fucking Manhattan <laughs> playing the cello. That's realistic. I mean, she must have been like a famous musician in that or something. Oh uh, yeah. But I, I mean, she. It's a yeah. No joke. It's no joke. But those people are notoriously like. She'd have had roommates. Let's just be real honest here. Like, 
Well, maybe not back in the 80s. I guess. It could be that. <laughs> like now, yeah, it would be to have 12 people living yeah, up in that place. That's true. Well, it also could be that Central Park, I don't know how nice it was. Because, like, the Ghostbusters seemed to do, they portrayed New York in the fucked up, fucked up mid-80s, like, fairly accurately. And it was pretty bad. But then they did it in kind of like a cute way, like where they're like, you know, like Rick Moranis like smears against the glass in the fancy restaurant. Everyone just ignores it because it was like an inside joke if you live there. It's like, yeah, you'd have a thing where like millionaires are eating dinner while like people screaming that there's a bear in their apartment and their <laughs> clothes ripped off pounding on the glass. They're just used to it because it's New York. You're like, only in New York. Like people would say when like a morbidly obese man was taking a diarrhea shit on the park bench, you were gonna wait for the bus on, but I'll get the next one. Only in New York, like everyone just, uh, you know, everyone just accept that as the as the case back then. And I don't know how to do a Larry King impression. I'm dressed like him today, <laughs> not on purpose. I inherited a bunch of like '80s business shirts from my grandfather-in-law. Not not that he Bob is still very much alive. But he's just like, I don't need to be wearing my 80s business shirts anymore because I'm you, 79. You Pat Bateman and you got Larry King. Well, Pat Bateman had red suspenders and I don't own red suspenders. And that's the problem. Plus his tie looks black on camera anyway and it's red. I'll take Larry King. Yeah. My dentures fall out. Like so, uh, there is a. That's my job. Yeah, there is a there is a famous uh, in the in the last year or two of his life, he inter- interviewed Tom Segura from your mom's house and also of being a very successful comedian, and like the whole thing was like like he was just talking like his dentures were falling out. Like Tom was like, it's like Larry King, you know. For one, respect your elders too. He's like a famous. New York, I get interviewed by him means he really made it, but he kept mm-hmm. being like, uh, Tom said that his favorite dessert was chocolate souffle, and Larry King was like, Saka souffle? What Saka souffle? It's like, chocolate souffle. Oh, chocolates. I couldn't, my teeth got caught in my tongue, and I couldn't see what I was saying. There's something real weird like that. I'm like, okay, Larry. Then he was like 90 years old, just still having a radio show. That guy had like eight wives, and like, and he buried them all. No, they just divorced him. I'm sure they're all alive. But, um, yeah, what the fuck was I talking about? I don't know. Oh, yeah, well, I was talking about Lily Munster. The reason for that being that, oh, my God, for some reason I thought that the Rob Zombie Munsters movie would be so unbelievably terrible that it was, like, a new The Room, and I could, like, riff for an entire hour on how bad it was, but it wasn't bad, like we just watched, it just got over like five minutes ago. We're like, I have an idea for a podcast. We're gonna watch the Munsters by Rob Zombie, and like, I don't see how. I mean, it was ridiculous and weird, and the entire thing. Some people, we figured this out part way through. Like, like the the wacky way in which it's everything's at an angle with like neon lights everywhere, and sometimes parts of it are a cartoon. And I was like, this looks familiar, but not like, like it looks a little like Pee Wee's Playhouse, I guess. Like, there's definitely. They were getting married by, like, an oil can, dumpy 50s robot, you know, thing that kind of reminded me of Conky. And it (laughs) it had some, like, heavy-duty Pee-wee vibes to it. Like, if Paul Rubens showed up for, like, a cameo dressed as, like, a mummy or something, I would not have been surprised. But he didn't. For me, it was was all Mystery Science Theater without any of the movie... And it was all the green lights. Yeah, I think that was, was really all, it. Like, it was all like the gimmick in between. Like, yeah, that like if they were to just do that for an entire like hour and a half or however long that movie was, it felt like three. But I, <laughs> but the thing is, is uh, at one point I figured out that it's what it reminds me of is natural born killers, yeah. and I. I challenge you if you're someone that's already seen Natural Born Killers or maybe not. Maybe just do this. Watch that again and then go watch the Monsters movie and be like, okay, yeah, it's not like this 90s nihilistic crime murder movie thing or whatever. You know, like, but just the shots where it's like, sometimes it's in black and white. Sometimes it's in color. Sometimes they're in the real world. Sometimes something happens and there's like a big swirl behind them and they're like, woo. Somebody they're like driving around in a convertible and it's like just cartoons behind them and stuff. Like, it's like that is like natural board killers. Like that weird editing and art style that uh, that movie was uh, the screenplay was written by Tarantino but filmed by uh, it was directed by Oliver Stone. 
And somewhere between the two of them, it ended up being this weird, like, art house, like, turn the camera upside down and nothing makes any sense. Like, <laughs> fucking, like, and Rob Zombie said, what if I rebooted the Munsters and then made it look like that? And he did it. It, it. The whole thing was interesting because, like, if you're familiar with the term chewing the scenery, it's when actors will just sit there and overdo it and vamp you know know, if you're like a villain you you crank it up to the tying the lady to the railroad track levels you're just having fun you're just like i've never seen a director chew the scenery (laughs) (laughs) uh but that's what he did the whole time like the whole frankenstein sequence where he's herman munster's getting made by the characters who i don't even know who they are like the igor guy ends up being his agent when he forms like this wolf mask rock band or some shit like the stand-up bass. I forgot that like he became a band himself. Yeah, he was like in a band for some reason. All of a sudden he was alive and then he was like famous? He's like, I'm gonna be a rock and roll. Maybe that was always the point. Like, like, we're gonna make our very own crappy rockabilly punk icon because we live in Transylvania in the 1950s and that's what all, that's the fountainhead of what that's about. Um, Oh yeah, the other, the so there's like the whole movie is about he's, uh, the Lily Munster's looking for love, and Grandpa's an old jerk. Uh, I wish there was more Grandpa. Grandpa was kind of... Well, there was a lot of Grandpa. We just stopped paying attention I, to the movie halfway through. He was in, like, right. every scene. Like, and the whole movie ended up having this... I guess he did this, just kind of randomly fucking show up everywhere. Yeah. And, like, the B-plot, which I guess is the main plot, because, you know, the the main, or the original main plot is, like, oh, it's him and Herman and Lily, like, meeting and falling in love or whatever, which is weird, because in this movie, Lily Munster is 20 to 30 years older than she was in the original, and yet it was a prequel. That's odd. But, um, nothing wrong with getting older, but maybe play, like, I don't know, like a cool vampire aunt or something. But anyway, she's looking for love. And one of one of her failed dates is with Count Orlock, who is the Nosferatu vampire, who just looks like a goblin or whatever from like the silent movie era. But the weird thing is, is that yeah, like later they make Herman Munster, then he becomes this guy in this weird like rockabilly punk band full of skeletons playing the stand-up bass and stuff. But then the other band was Nosferatu had like he was in like this techno, like I want to see more of this. He was in this yeah. techno industrial band. He's like all skinny with his bald, pointy ears and whatever. And then like the two Figgles guys, like in his band, are just these keyboard players with like gas masks that have like glowing, like like World War One gas masks it with glowing eyes. It was very skinny puppy, and I really wanted to just. It was yeah, this Ground Zero techno, and I was like, just have this be the movie, and then like. Yeah, I want to go see. Maybe the whole thing is viral marketing. We're like Rob Zombie's producing some Nosferatu gas mask techno band. And it's like the whole thing was just an ad for that because everyone's like, I don't remember what happened in this movie and I don't understand what the point of it existing is at all. But well, I do know one thing. Uh, Nosferatu's World War One techno party band is a thing I want to go <laughs> see. And he's like, well, good news. yeah!" And then it's like <laughs> opening for Rob Zombie. And I'll be like, I guess I'll go to that. It was also really funny, all the little things, like they show Herman Munster, you know, he's he's rock band guy for some reason in this early throwaway 10 minutes of the movie, but uh, they show like his album covers and stuff, and I'm like, those look amazing. Oh yeah, I guess like Rob Zombie made those. I missed that. that. (laughs) It was like him with his like eyes bugging out like in the mask, and he's just like, ah, all this shit coming up behind him. It, It just... I forgot for a second who made the movie. I'm like, wow, whoever they got to make the fake album covers and posters did a world-class job. <laughs> it's like, oh, right. Rob Zombie's original thing, aside from being a musician, was also just, you know, being his own art director. And the look of everything was always very cool with Old White Zombie. And, I mean, I liked the music a lot, too, when I was a kid, and I still do. But the thing that really caught people was like, wow, this is such a zany, like, world he's created in which the monsters apparently also live. I think that there's an important thing to remember. Everyone keeps talking about how, like, well, the old, you know, black and white monsters was in the 60s or whatever. And, um, you know, this one's all, like, weird, day-glow, crazy, colorful, uh, which I liked. But everyone's forgetting about the 80s reboot of the monsters that came out. <laughs> and that's the thing that I want. And, and this may have been based more on that, I guess, and it didn't have any of the actors. It was still like 20, 30 years later or whatever. But uh, 
um, it was called The Munsters Today. And the, like, I don't remember anything about it other than that it was just all these 80s tropes. Like, Eddie Munster goes to the arcade and deals with bullies. I don't know. It was just that shit. And, but the best part was that they took the original Munsters theme song, which was awesome, and they just put words over it for the new theme song for the 80s, like Munsters Today. And the words were just them describing, like, the plot. Like, the plot wasn't them 20 years later. The plot was, like, Grandpa made something where they got, like, frozen in... in they said it's a, in a sitcom? Carbonite. Three seasons? Yeah. I thought you said it was a movie. No, no. They, bre- they brought oh, the, the show, okay. the show okay. back as, like, a shitty mid to late 80s TV show. But, yeah, they'd be like... They, they, they go into, like, suspended animation and wake up in the 80s is the plot. Wait, Jonathan Brandis was in this? Yeah, probably. Was he young? Yeah, yeah he was, was he like, Eddie well, Munster? heartthrob of some sort in the 90s, I thought. Look at that guy that played Herbert Munster. That is a I terrifying know. old man. Like, like Fred Gwynn probably was younger than, <laughs> like, the original... But no, the so it was the theme song like did it did it They just had some like eighties guy singing over like we went to sleep so very long ago. Now we're awake with a brand new show. We're the monsters today. Yeah, that was you probably saw this shit. It was all over TV. Yeah, three years of an eighties sitcom. How would you have missed it? I mean yeah, the monsters today, American sitcom. Yeah. And it had none of the old... You know, the funny thing, the guy that played Grandpa, Al Lewis, was, like, very much alive and just, like, an old grandpa. Like, they could have they could have recast a few of the same people, and they just didn't. Also, important side note, um, Al, Al Lewis, Grandpa Munster, once ran for the mayor of New York. And amazing. he ran, like... As Grandpa Munz, I mean, not exactly. Like he was, he was, he wasn't wearing makeup or dressed like Dracula or anything. But his ads, and he had money and connections for being like an old world Hollywood TV guy. So it's like he had these real TV ads that I saw here for his mayoral bid for New York, and he was like, <laughs> "And don't forget to vote for me, Grandpa." Like <laughs> that was one of his commercials. He's probably running against really Judy, honey. <laughs> Like, like the only reason Rudy Giuliani was ever the mayor of New York is because he had to beat Grandpa Munster, and it was probably by a narrow margin. Just another fact about the Munsters today. Like I'm actually yeah. shocked that it went on from 1987 to 1991. Like, yeah, three seasons. That's. I, I remember watching it. There was a whole episode. I wonder if it was any good? No, that there was a there was a there was a morality episode where uh, Eddie Munster gets like a magic coin or something that brings him good luck. But every time something good happens to him, uh, something bad happens to somebody else. And uh, it's like a real monkey's paw. No, it's whatever. It's a different curse. But he, uh, like, he got, like, rich or something. Like, he would just gamble in the stock market. But since he had his lucky thing, like, but then someone would be like, oh, my new shoes got covered in mud. And it keeps getting worse. Like, he, he's, like, getting, like, the high score in Centipede or something. And the, But then, like, the... The guy who owns the hot dog shop that the arcade game is in, like it starts on fire, and he's like, "Eddie, you gotta stop," because the whole town knows he has a magic coin. They're giving him helpful advice, and then Herman is just like, uh, "Well, there's a better place." When no, but it's not. Here's my other thing with the. No one ever needs to be remaking anything with the monsters. Not that I care. Let me get it out there that when people remake stuff, it doesn't bother me. Like, oh, great, now they're going to do this. Who pointed a gun at you and made you go? Particularly now. Like, you don't have to listen to the radio if you don't want to. You know, someone, some annoying song gets famous. You're never going to, you have to choose to listen to things on Spotify. Yeah. And people are still on Facebook being like, oh, I guess this is just a new thing because you're so mad that kids listen to bad music. Well, kids always listen to bad music, including you when you were a kid. Somebody was like grew up listening to Follow Boy complaining about something now. Get the fuck out of here. Complaining. Something just happened where Lizzo played the flute. Yeah, yeah. And like people got really mad about it. Yeah. The fuck? Can you mad well I don't even know what it's called. Yeah, it's like a it's the famous it's Jeopardy Springfield's Fife. (laughs) 
And uh, yeah, she she snuck into the Springfield Museum while the caretaker was making his Johnny Cakes and, and apple cider. I don't know. Uh, yeah, apparently it's some famous flute played by somebody dead. And, like, someone let her do it. That's the thing. It's like, she didn't break in. You'd just be like, check it out. I'm about to bust Wasn't into the... some white man's flute or something? Like, Well, yeah. Uh, the people of color didn't that... own things like flutes back whenever that Jeez. flute would have been around. I mean, it... Let's it, just find out. It, the Lizzo flute. Yeah. I think that, like... A, you know, people are bored. B, people are bitter and small. But C... I think it's just a way, like, do I really enjoy any of Lizzo's newer music? Oh, it's James Madison's flute. I guess. Whoever that is. Sorry, the I don't know who that fuck is. Fuck here. Uh, I think he was one of the presidents, but we've had so many. But it's just <laughs> it's just a way for you to go, I already don't like Lizzo, and I, you know, take every chance I can to, it's like, I'm not allowed to say I don't like black people or women, but when one of them does something like that, I gotta speak, because like, it's like, now is your chance. But it's like, who actually cares? Like, she didn't steal it and shove it in her butt. She went in and played it. A flute des- demands to be played. Probably other people have done that, too. Like, oh, like this famous classical musician from... 200-year-old flute. Well, great. Yeah, I mean... I mean, like, you know, Lilo, Lizzo is one of those people who's, you know, kind of keen on going, like, girl, the only difference between donuts and a salad is how society views it. Like, okay, no. But I don't care that she does that because people who are, like, unhealthy and fucked up and gross will pick any reason to keep doing that. And if it's not her, it's just somebody else. Now, and Lizzo's from here. The only thing I don't like about Lizzo is her new record. Because I've liked her old stuff, but this one was really, like, bland. Mm. There was hardly any flute solos on it. I guess this was her way of trying to make up for that. I don't... But yeah, no, you're just, like, picking things to get mad about because, you know, getting mad about anything of substance might cause positive change in the world, and everyone who wishes very much for that not to happen goes out of their way to redirect your anger towards silly things. Like Lizzo playing a flute. James Madison's crystal flute... Is that vodka in it? What? Is it like Crystal Skull? Is it James Madison's Crystal Flute vodka? It look, yeah, she actually wasn't playing the flute. She's drinking the vodka out of it, as you can see in that picture. And they just um, they they overlaid flute playing. That was actually done by uh, Will Ferrell's character in <laughs> Anchorman, who's apparently a jazz flautist. Also, I didn't know Lizzo could play the flute. Oh, Is that cool. a thing? Because you know, another thing. The flute is one of those instruments that if you don't completely know how to play it, you can't play one note on it. It's like a violin. Like like a bass, if someone's like, here, put your finger on the string between the frets and then whack at it. It's like, boom. Like, you played a bass note. The piano, go up to it and be like, ding, the drums. She's classically trained as, yeah. a, as a flutist. So Well, that's exciting. And it was just to blow a few notes. And yeah, that's most people like the, but again, the flute's hard. Like if someone handed me a flute and then explained to me exactly what you do to get one note out of it, it wouldn't work. Like, it, like, like three months later of trying really hard, I'd obviously been practice and instruction of here, but a flute's like the violin where you're like, again, you can, you can take like a guitar, just like, hold the string down, hit it. Bam, okay. The violin, like, okay, put your finger on the thing, put the bow like this, steady, steady. Like you have to know what you're doing, or absolutely the flute is like. <laughs> if you don't put your lips it right, sucks. It, it's not gonna, yeah, it's just sucks. Yeah, like the, the the mouth she's making, like you have to do that weird it cartoon takes, Tom Ca- Alley Cat mouth face. It takes strength, facial strength and muscles yeah. to like do that. I think that you like no matter what the precedent is like oh this rapper you don't like because you don't like rappers for a certain reason is playing an old piece of garbage uh and you're just bothered by that but you shouldn't be able to even voice that if like someone knows how to do something like play the flute it's so fucking hard that like you're like just shut up like you're impressed because you could like what fix a car or some shit or whatever it is you do you're just like yeah you know what's harder than that playing the flute it honestly is and also, apparently, our whichever president James Madison was. Ooh, let's guess. I'm going to say 12. Make a guess and then look. Uh, what pre- what number president was James Madison? 
12, 12, 12. I'm sure he owns slaves, so he can't be above a certain number. Eight. Okay, no, I, I I will give you a mulligan. I know for sure that's Martin Van Buren. Okay, 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 okay. How I know that for some reason when I can't remember my own phone number is something. Um, 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 um let's see. What if... Could easily be seven or nine, though. I just know George Washington is one, Abraham Lincoln is Madison 16. Is, uh, and I feel like he's maybe like seven. Yeah. Seven, eight. I'm going to say, you know, eight, 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 eight's Martin Van Buren. Because right, so right. the Van Buren boys' logo is the number eight. I'll be like... They're the toughest gang in New York. Six or seven. Okay. So... Let's find out. By the way, wait, if he's six or seven, for sure he owns... Or, yeah. Okay. So her playing that flute is making a lot of Southern people who have a lot of excuses for the nonsense they believe in extra super mad. Which, guess what? That makes me like it. James Madison. Which president was he? As a no. founding father and served as the fourth president. Oh, I you! I knew he was up there, like towards the beginning, but I was like, maybe not. Wow, Price is Right rules. We both just completely lost. You were closer though. Twelve yeah. was like way the fuck off. James Madison. Oh, yeah, so he's a, did he was one of the people that like signed the Declaration yeah, of Independence. Yeah, that's why I was like. And he yes, had a, he played a yeah. played a flute with his syphilitic wooden dentures somehow, like what everybody had back then. That's so weird. I wonder how many other people have played that flute. Like, has it been a hundred years and then Lizzo <laughs> reawakened the Apparently, curse of James Madison? Yeah. <laughs> Lizzo plays new notes on James Madison's crystal flute from 1830. Okay, how is it crystal? It doesn't, it looks like it's just metal or something. That's wrong. That's crystal. Maybe parts of it. How is it? How do you have a crystal flute? That's pretty exciting, I guess. But. Also, I never know what crystal even means. Like, isn't it just glass? Let's see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a crystal flute. What a lunatic. Yeah. Well, it was a different time. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe everybody from a certain persuasion is mad about that because it's actually the, the like, she, <laughs> she actually found, like, you had to, like, answer a bunch of riddles and do, like, an escape room so they finally allow you. And you have to be worthy. It's like the, a penitent man kneels before George White. She had to do, like, a somersault and blades <laughs> fly out like Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. <laughs> and she finally gets to the crystal flute. And then she, like, she like plays it to make sure it works. But now she has it. And what she doesn't, what, like, people are mad about is she hung on to it, right? Like, she now it's hers. Like, once you play the flute, it's yours. That's the part of the story they leave out. Yeah. And she's going to go take it. And they're, she's going to go down to like Mar-a-Lago like right before like Trump like runs before his re-election thing and he'd be like oh Lizzo oh yeah I, 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 I like hip hop I Lizzo, what are you you wanna you wanna join my whatever and she's just like I'm gonna play a song for you so, oh it's very nice I like music you play me a song and she pulls out he's like oh oh no Oh no, just like she plays like the magic thing and just like does like the jig that breaks the curse. Like, oh, just goo shoots out of his nipples and he just starts like deflating into this like uh, Judge Doom Roger Ram. He's like, ah, oh, my goo. He's like, it's like a jig. <laughs> the mystic jig that undoes the curse. So that would explain why people are mad. They don't want that to happen. They're like, don't undo my favorite guy's thing with the flute. The curse is good. That is exactly why they're mad. <laughs> it's like only a, only, only a worthy uh, Midwestern female rapper can play the crystal flute of James Madison and undo the curse of Trump. Yikes. I, um... <laughs> I don't really have much of a Buster's review, so I'm just going to start talking about how I foolheartedly uh, signed up. I, look, I do stand-up comedy sometimes, but I'm, it's not a thing. Sometimes I almost feel bad because there's people around, like uh, Andrew Weglinger and the guy that looks like Charles Manson, whose name escapes me right now. Do you remember who that is? Uh, Zach. Zach. Zach Ashton. I'm sorry. Zach, I know. Like Jesus, he's not... Manson. Okay, but I Jesus is his thing. Like, he that's his sounds thing. more like Charles Manson. It oh, is yeah. his thing. But he started. He started like headlining. Jesus. People like pay him money to actually. So these guys are like who we've seen kind of whatever. They're like on this pathway that I don't want to go on. Like I don't want to live in my car and start doing weekend gigs out of town. Doing kind of, I just don't want to live in his carless in Denver. No, no, no. But I mean, the in between <laughs> of those guys are finally starting to make a little bit of money. Eventually becomes being a road comic, and then at the end of that is either 
you stop being a comedian, you die, or you become a famous comedian. Like, and the odds of that last one are slim. Are they impossible? Hell no. You can do it. Do I want to take a swing at it by uh, gambling on my whole later half of my life the way I did it the first half with music? I do not. So I feel like a little bit of a Marla Singer tourist when I when I show up to do this stuff. But I stay out of the way and I mostly just do the Monday night. But anyway, Andy asked me, which is, by the way, Andy's not watching this, but just the secret that everyone needs to know is in the past year or two, the only times I've done stand-up is when Andy from the Monday Night Comedy Show comes to me and asks me to. Like, I never even go to him. He's like, you should do this show. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I should probably write some comedy. (laughs) Like, I've gotten so passively. It's just because I do like it. And I, I, I had... Like I've, I'm not gonna say I figured it out. That's completely wrong. But what what I will say is that I, I, I you never truly master anything, and I am like nowhere close to even the first step. But I figured it out. Like I figured out how to get a laugh, how to be comfortable up there, and how to just kind of do the thing. The last couple of sporadic shows I did, like nothing fell flat. Even like people that I didn't know were there, and so you know, it's not just my silly friends. I love you all. But I would like be like, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like a huge, I'm like, okay, I kind of get it now. Because when I started, I would just ramble and say things that I think maybe were funny and kind of over overdo it a little. And it's just like, okay, stop yelling, guy. Whatever. Like, I kind of got comfortable and figured it out. The minute that happened, I was like, the next step is to try to do this a lot more. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. So I kind of, you know. But um, if Andy asks, I'll always do it. And so I am. We did make a small series yeah. On our channel here. And it was that during the... good. And it had its... It, it, that definitely had its moments. That exact shtick didn't necessarily translate live. It worked good as a YouTube video, though. It, yeah, it was because visual content. aids and things. And that was, like, full-blown during pandemic actual, like, people didn't go out. So we're like, oh, I'll, I'll make, like, a weird version of stand-up comedy in, in front of the green screen in the basement. And Meredith helped. And it was it was funny. And I feel like if I was started doing that again, it would probably be like a lot funnier because I kind of get it a little more. But regardless, at this point, like I'm not doing comedy the correct way at all. I never do anything. And then I write stuff for like the occasion of, oh, shit, I have a spot coming up I have to do. And uh, but the you know what the wild thing is that shouldn't work. And the last couple of times I've like and again. I have to step outside of myself to review this. This is not my ego talking. If you were there, you would have seen it. There's recordings I could show you. Like, I would have the place rolling. And it's like, like, well, you must do this all the time. It's like, the last time I did this was like three months ago here. It's like, oh, have you done this material before? Like, no. Like, I, just, you know, so that, that's something. And it's almost as if you could imagine that if I did what you're supposed to and go to open mics four nights a week and really, really get the reps in and do the whole California, New York, you know, stand-up comedy thing. Maybe I'd get really good or maybe I'd get really in my head and I'm only funny if I do it every once in a while. And it's like new stuff that I kind of test out on you and my wife and whoever will listen. And if like, Oh, if it breaks you up a little bit, I know it'll make a room laugh. And yeah, like maybe I'm not supposed to do it more. Maybe I'll get worse at it. Maybe it's not your passion right now, but yeah, I guess right Your now more tend to you know fluctuate a little bit, and that's okay. They do, and I've gotten a little bit more into music again, and right now I'm kind of in a thing of like I need to make more money, and that's a bit of a uphill battle. But it's, it's, things have been happening though. That's what's kind of working out. But I feel like I need to focus on that for perhaps a while. But uh, yeah, I like doing stand up. Well, anyway, I will be doing stand up on October 31st as a Monday. I'll be doing the Monday Night Comedy Show's Halloween special. So I was trying to think of um, uh, Halloween related bits. And I keep, I was excited about the Monsters movie because I keep going back to how unscary the old school Hollywood movie Like, was anyone ever afraid of like the original black and white Frankenstein? And was yeah, anyone. No, I were. Maybe. Like, the Munsters came out at the same time as those. Was it terrifying? Like, I don't know. That was my one joke that the Munsters scared the shit out of me. But, um, you know, like the Wolfman, one of the things I would... (laughs) It's like the the you know he just gets a little hairier and it takes like ten minutes like the you know they made those later <laughs> movies that are like the howling and shit that were like really fucked up and v- various werewolf movies have been really scary especially Teen Wolf 
but the the old original Wolfman was like just you just sit there slowly watching me turn into Andy. And you're just like ah, it's so scary. I guess if you're me, well, who wouldn't want to be Andy? But yeah, I was trying to uh, think about what happens if the mummy actually gets you. That was a whole like it really you know. It wasn't there. This it was a curse. But Wasn't it was, there a movie called Mummy with that guy that everybody's obsessed with again? Oh, Tom Cruise? No. Oh, Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Yeah, but that was like... There wasn't... Okay. So, right. The Brendan Fraser Mummy was... Um, and by the way, he had he had a, a he got a rough deal, and apparently he's one of those like actually really solid good guy dudes. And normally those guys are like The Rock or somebody who are like still really successful. And it's like, wow, he's so his young fans, he's so he's so like this Mister Rogers muscle man or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he's like rich and powerful and famous. But Brendan Fraser is like every bit as good of a guy, but like got divorced and sued and like a bunch of something he got also got injured like everything went bad for him and he kind of had a a bit of a redemption arc and he was in like new movies again now finally and everyone loves him it's very heartwarming but the mummy was like his big heartthrob indiana jones movie or whatever and uh but it, it had like you know the pharaoh guy comes back and 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 there's like monsters and bugs and things but i mean just like the old the old mummy where it's just the the bandaged yeah, yeah like for one thing what a what a fucking white people ass idea like it's the burial rites of this ancient culture and they're like well what can we make something out of that like yeah uh, it's like all right well cool like let's just run with this but they're, they're like, I don't understand what he's trying to do. Like, Dracula wants to suck your blood, but the mummy is he just like beat you up or steal your uh, wallet? I don't he understand. He eats you? I no, he doesn't, want, he doesn't want to eat you. Or, or he uh, just wants to touch you. He just wants to reach out. Well, yeah, how much? See, that's the thing that I wonder if he, if he, if he, yeah, but if he, like, yeah, it's always been the thing. Like, if he touches you, you get cursed. I think someone oh, did explain to me, okay. but it's, they don't really. Explain what would happen if you just stopped running away. Like, does he come up to you what and go like, ooh, and just like what runs off like touch football? If um, the mummy gets you, mummy <laughs> does he you. turn? Yeah. Go. What happens? What will happen if your mother catches you masturbating? Is what that went to uh, the first yeah. thing. Wow. What do you mean? Well, according to porno, she'll oh, show. She'll start. Mommy catches you, not mommy. Oh. Oopsie. Yeah, according to porno, she'll tell you it's no big deal and she'll help. But according to real life, she'll be like, "Oh my god!" and close the door, and you gotta hide we your wiener. We want mummy. Well, yeah, not... the mummy catches you. What does the mummy do when it catches you masturbating? No, that's not what it says. <laughs> uh, they reach in your pants. It's a mummy, I'd let's like to fuck. See, if we find out. Ask. Yeah, Reddit will tell us all about it. I hope oh, are you in trouble. Uh, so my theory though is I don't know if the mummy touches you and then runs away or if you were to maybe like face the mummy and stand your ground if he would just hug you or something like like it's <laughs> working out this half baked thing where like be like all right all right all right he's like coming at you just stop after no no so here's what happens he's he comes towards you, he's like and you're like i'm just gonna stay right here mommy i don't care he's like he starts grabbing you and you're like this is fine he's like like i'm i'm not afraid like like i'm i'm not i'm not afraid i'm not sad it's just that sometimes I feel. Uh-huh. Oh God, I don't want to have an emotional breakthrough. That is the scariest monster. Yes. See, Boom. maybe since no one watches this, that'll probably be in my act. I don't know. Who cares? I have five minutes up there to talk about the mummy hugging me so I get in touch you with my can feelings. Use that is on the mummy's is the mummy's curse? You have to really start facing your emotional trauma. Like, oh my God, that's pure genius. Maybe. <laughs> Or or it or it isn't as positive, and he just starts holding you, and then just starts like slowly, like like reaching down to jerk you off, like hey, hey, hey. like ah, because he's he wants to make you feel better, and he's like, mm. he's like no, well, 
I like where this is going. I think oh. I probably could do five minutes out of the mummy trying to comfort me and then jerk me off. <laughs> that is a fucking winner. <laughs> See, this is why we do this. Uh, so I can come up with bad ideas to do in front of eight people in person instead of three people on the internet. <laughs> Thank God. What else did I have? Oh, yeah, I was going to try to talk about how the leprechaun is the scariest monster because it's us that's always just trying to get him. And there's nothing scarier than having that mirror held up to your own. Fuck it. Like, the whole leprechaun story is like, ooh, look at that little man. Let's grab him. Oh, and it's yeah. like, let's take all of his money and break <laughs> his legs. I'm like, Jesus Christ, the monster is you. Yeah. Where's my cereal box? God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, the leprechaun is a monster, by the way. Frankenberry, Count Chocula, Lucky Charms. Like, they're all monsters. Yeah. King Vitamin. C King Vitamin, yeah. C-3PO's my favorite movie monster. C-3PO is pretty scary. Oh, man. The leprechaun in the hood is a just a thing that happened. Yeah, it was, and it was probably the best leprechaun. Well, that was the, my absolute, and if you know, yeah, there was like this horror series in the 90s that was like where the leprechaun played by like the guy that played Willow, I think. Um, I think, I think that's who did that. That same guy who was also on, um, oh, he was on this, this comedy show with Ricky Gervais that was like really, really, really funny. It had it's not Billy Barty. That's the R2-D2 Wizard of Oz guy. It's fucking... What are we trying to figure out? The guy that played Willow, the little guy that played Willow, and then know. also, I think, played the Leprechaun. But he also... Like, I can't remember anybody's. It's, like, really... These podcasts have been on, like, Sunday afternoons. It's, like, late Friday night right now, and I don't really... Warwick watched. Davis. Warwick Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was the Leprechaun. But the point is... Let's find is that he was, he was on this show with Ricky Gervais... Yes. And he was, there he is. And he was in the hood. Oh, yeah. He was the same leprechaun. Okay. All right. Yeah. By the way, leprechaun in the hood was like the third or fourth leprechaun movie because they did the whole like Muppets thing where it's like leprechauns take Manhattan. Leprechaun does their taxes. Like whatever. They all. Jason takes Manhattan. That one. That's. The leprechaun goes to space. (laughs) Yeah. Jason and the Muppets took Manhattan, that movie they did together. Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. uh, but Leprechaun in the Hood was so successful compared to the rest of the the original movie and the sequels that instead of moving on to another, like, Leprechaun goes to Vegas, they just did Leprechaun in the Hood 2. Like, they actually just reset yeah. the sequels to, like, more of those. So here's something funny. Which is great. Leprechaun in the Hood came out in 2000. I thought it was older than that. No, the, well... Again, it's because it was like that was the third or fourth Leprechaun sequel. Was Leprechaun in the Hood was the four, last four. ditch, like Tales from the Hood, just the stupid fucking like. By the way, that movie was unbelievable. Like these guys, he had a magic flute like Lizzo, and it could hypnotize people into giving you what you want or something like that. And so these rappers steal it from him yeah, 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 yeah. because they're always stealing the people are trying to get his gold but see that's the thing we're the monster in the old school leprechaun stories but the leprechaun's the monster like if you steal his money he comes and murders you which by the way just makes him a person like if you were to be like ah, i stole like a, a thousand bucks from john it's like well i'm going to come and get you like that's what's gonna happen i'm not a movie monster for being like like this guy stole all my money and one of my nice keyboards and it's like i show up to his house at night and start stabbing him i'm like that's just what happens that's not horror Somebody's got to get stabbed in that scenario. It's <laughs> Somebody's got to get stabbed. Uh, but anyway, these these rapper dudes steal. <laughs> such a, it does actually feel like an eighties movie because of that. Like yeah. it was made in two thousand, and it does feel like it was made in eighty nine because the premise is. He has a magic flute that, like, it doesn't grant witches. I think it just, like, hypnotizes and controls people. So their idea is they're going to sample the flute into a rap song, and then that's going to be how they, like, get rich and famous, which is pretty fucking close. Is it it. that different from the the premise of Weekend at Birdies 2, where he gets a voodoo curse put on his dead body, and every time he hears Calypso music, his corpse starts dancing its way towards his hidden treasure, and everyone's trying to get him? Like, yeah, Leprechaun of the Hood, we're going to sample... My mistake, this is the fifth. 
installment of the Leprechaun series. I said four. The Hood was the four. five? Yeah, I guess. Wow, so. so Leprechaun in the Hood 2 was like the sixth one. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, so it had been going on forever. And I think the original Leprechaun was like a 90s thing. I'm pretty sure. Like, I thought they came out in shockingly rapid oh, succession. Oh, they found gold. There's the, the flute. Oh, the flute. Mac Daddy takes a gold flute, but Slug <laughs> removes the medallion, freeing the leprechaun and is killed by him. Yeah, Ice-T is in this movie. Oh, yeah. Through Mac Daddy traps it once more. 20 years later, wannabe rap artists Postmaster P, Stray Bullet, and Butch have their speaker destroyed while at an audition. After failing to sell a guitar they falsely claim belonged to Jimi Hendrix to a pawn shop owner... Jackie D and Chow for money to buy a new speaker. Stray Bullet manages to convince Mac Daddy, now a successful record producer, to pick them up. However, he drops them when Postmaster P refuses to make his music more aggressive, as is the story with a lot of hip-hop at the time. As revenge, the friends break into Mac Daddy's office to rob it. <coughs> when Mac Daddy returns... In the middle of the robbery, Postmaster P accidentally shoots him in the chest, thinking he's killed him. Postmaster P steals the golden flute off Mac Daddy's wrist. During the chaos of all this, Butch accidentally frees the leprechaun by stealing the amulet off the stone body. The leprechaun hurts the friends with the help of his zombie fly girls, a trio of women enslaved by his magic, in order to recover the stolen flute, which places listeners of its tune in a euphoric trance. Mac Daddy, who survived due to the bullet being caught by his necklace, also hunts the friends to reclaim the flute, which is now the key to his success. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. No, if you're going to watch <laughs> Leprechaun in the Hood, watch this version where I read the Wikipedia wrong. After killing Reverend Hanson, Jackie D, and Chow, and their transgender friend Fontaine, the Leprechaun catches up to the three friends at a hip-hop concert they enter to, wi to win a chance to go to Las Vegas and earn a shot at a record deal. The Leprechaun magically forces a straight bullet to point his gun at Butch's head, threatening. This just tells you every last thing this that happens. The plot. No, the plot is it. like an overview. Okay, what it's eventually? Not an overview on Wikipedia. Apparently, it just tells the entire fucking. It's thing. just the screenplay is just Basically, up here. It's just yeah. kind of like. Later, Butch visits Postmaster P at his grandma's house and convinces him to use a joint laced with four-leaf clovers to strip the leprechaun of his powers in order to steal back the flute and use it for success in Las Vegas. Postmaster P and Butch, disguised in drag, visit the club in which the leprechaun has taken up residence. That's right, because he starts rapping and shit at his strip club. He's like, a lep in the hood? You know it ain't no good. Yeah. And he's like... <laughs> Which is great. You should watch that. But uh, the leprechaun smokes the clover joint and passes out. The boys take the flute and head downstairs to escape, only to be interrupted by Mac Daddy, who shoots Butch, killing him. Postmaster P retaliates. God, this just by keeps going. Mac Daddy yeah. Sometime later, oh, Postmaster P is now a successful rapper. However, when he removes his sunglasses, it's shown that Iris is glowing neon green, which indicates that he is under the leprechaun's spell, who is now his manager. The leprechaun then tells the audience that he taught Postmaster P everything he knows before rapping about being an evil leprechaun. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. So. That's pretty great. You know what's funny? It is still... Like, the leprechaun's the the movie monster, but, those like, everybody is just trying to steal his shit and fuck with his vibe. Like, it really <laughs> is us who are the monsters here. They're like, let's steal his flick. They rob, they steal the medallion. They, they, they give him laced weed so he doesn't come get his own shit back from them, like, so they can win a contest in Las Vegas. That's the other thing, too. The stakes are so dumb. They're not even high or low. It's just, oh... This magic flute will up our chance at winning a contest. Like it's not even like, oh, it'll enchant this record label CEO into giving us a million dollars and making putting a video on MTV. It's just kind of like, I hope we win. And that's yeah, that's the same flute Lizzo's gonna use to undo the curse of Trump. I guess. Uh, yes. I'm like everybody. So glad we found that. I still, yeah, this is one I'm going to have to watch again to remember dumb shit to say in the future because I'm pretty drunk and tired and uh, uh, I'm going to forget all of this. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's why we're recording it. But no, I just I just really love the idea like they're going to do, remember that Simpsons where it was Whacking Day but then Barry White saves all the snakes because yes. they, they don't have, for some reason, Barry White's in Springfield. And they don't have, like, all they have are Elvin and the Chipmunk records, so they can't, you know, create the low frequencies that'll attract the snakes, which isn't a thing. But, like, so they have Barry White being like, oh, baby, now I want to see the snakes in my house. And they all, they all come in or whatever. I feel like, no, it's not like that. It's like Mars Attacks. There was a, uh, that yodeling record made the aliens head explode, so they put it on the radio. That's what they're going to do <laughs> with Lizzo's crystal flute. Um, she's gonna play it like it's gonna be like 
Uh, she's gonna play it, and and you know all the all the green slime will shoot out of Donald Trump's nipples and belly button as he deflates into a pile on the ground, and um and they'll be like, well that stopped him, but there's so many more of us, and she'll be like, oh no, and it'll be like they'll hit a button and it'll go live, and like this feed's going directly to Fox News, who they're like, look what Lizzo's doing, she melted our greatest president, and she's like, and listen to this, <laughs> and everyone's just gonna be like, oh. Oh, why am I wearing this red hair? Like, oh, I like, want to see my grandkids again. I don't know why I yell at them all the time for having green hair. Oh, it's me that's bad. And yeah, everyone will be okay. And then anyone who can't be saved, like Rupert Murdoch and Matt Gaines, they'll just explode like in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like yeah. lightning. Just... <laughs> like people like like really like hardcore nasty old people be watching Fox News like Grandpa keep your eyes shut like I still think Mexicans to ruin the economy like, <laughs> blowing out of the TV and Lizzo's <laughs> but yeah just the horn of Gabriel blowing through the mystic crystal flute of our fourth slave owning president to undo yep yeah that's what's gonna happen. I need to fucking make that into a thing rather than a disconnected ch chunk of a podcast no one watches. <laughs> what kind of thing? I don't know. I don't know what to do about Lizzo's magic flute. Well, for one thing, depending on how long I have on Halloween, I actually think that that's f won't be from that long ago by the in a couple of weeks. I think if I have if I have to kill ten minutes up there, which sometimes on these shows it is ten rather than five. I could start with some like movie monster nonsense or whatever, and then I and then I tell well, that's the tale. How you get into it. I yeah. tell the tale of Lizzo's magic flute because I'll tie it together with the leprechaun. Yeah, yes. it's perfect. I'll talk about how we're the monsters because we just go like, look at that delightful little man. All Let's take all of his stuff. Rewatch what we just did and then just put it together better. When I have literally done that, like that thing where you lie to your doctor to get a vasectomy, that actually killed because <laughs> I, I did that one. Um, yeah, it's like you just tell them you have nine kids and others just like, can you prove it? I'm like, no. I mean, if I talk to them, they're going to make me pay child support. Like, it was this whole thing. I mean, like, why, like, your doctor won't give you a vasectomy unless you've already have kids. Lie to him. And be like, well, why don't I know about it? It's like, it's not with my wife, and you keep your fucking mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that whole diatribe, I, I boiled down into, like, two minutes and I actually had people laughing pretty fucking hard. Like... And, you know, what are... See, now it is making me excited to do comedy again. But it's the day-to-day. -day. It's like sitting there at an open mic to three people who aren't going to laugh at this shit that actually is funny, but it's three other comedians who wish they were dead, so of course they're not going to like, yeah, okay, great, man. I actually hate you now that I think that's a little funny. Um, <laughs> but making people laugh at absurd premises is, I think, my favorite part of it. You know what I mean? Like, rather than being, like, the, the classical... Seinfeld, like, you know when you're doing this and then this happens? I'm like, no. I want to talk about lying to your doctor about a country, uh, like a decade-long spree of affairs so you can get your <laughs> shit snipped without any back talk. Like, that, it's like, that's insane. Or like, yeah, Lizzo playing a magic flute that breaks the curse of Donald Trump and he explodes like in Raiders of the Lost Ark and having people be like, yeah, that's very relatable and funny. Like, somehow, even though it's ridiculous. Uh, it super is. Yeah, I just, I, my, my patent love of nonsense is just so baked into being able to go up there like a crazy person off the street I am. You know, it was like an open mic that someone goes to, not because they have dreams of being a comedian, but because, like, they were, like, sleeping on the sidewalk and someone was just like, hey, buddy, uh, in there there's a microphone connected to speakers and people have to listen to you. And he's like, Woo! the demon monkeys in my hair will finally have their message heard. Like that energy is what I try to bring. <laughs> like just the energy of a schizophrenic person. That's like, finally people are going to know the truth. That's what I want for myself. And if I were to pursue comedy, I think I'd lucky to at least live on a sidewalk somewhere warm, move to Los Angeles and fail miserably. Oof. But yeah, outside there is not as bad as outside here. So hey. Oh, but I live in a house here because I haven't pursued a psychotic dream that I'm way too old to start. I don't know if I... LA has random chances of just burning down at any second. 
Los Angeles? Yeah. No, mostly. It actually does. It's not even random anymore. It's kind of regular. Don't they have it's like, like, oop, it's fire season. Fire tornadoes. Yeah, they do. Like, I'm, what I'm oh, saying is you're crazy. correct, except for where you said it was random. It just happens every summer on the dot. Yeah. <laughs> like, oops, it burned out again. Like, who saw that coming? It used to be random, and now it's... Yeah, it is. It has become, you know, a part of the landscape is fire that never yeah. stops raging like Vulcanvania, except for it's supposedly <laughs> the best place in the world to go live. I don't think anyone really believes that anymore. No. I love making... Sometimes I wonder if I'm I'm the one putting the leprechaun curse on people. Like, if I hate something enough, it sours. Like, the, the ground in Pet Cemetery. Like, it, it's... Uh, I feel the same way about uh, me. Like, yeah, because I'm I just... Like, I made so much fun of everyone that mocked me. It's like, we're going to move it out here and make it. And I'm just like... I'm just like, have this, like, Twilight well. Zone. Just like... <laughs> It's just like destroy, like I like Magneto, but I don't understand that I'm actually doing it. It's just like, like not only did nothing work out for any of them, which we all knew was going to happen, but then like also it's like the whole state's on fire. Like Joe Rogan left, like nobody wants to be there anymore. It's just like hell, and it's just kind of like, did I do that because someone said something mouthy to me once about like, God, what a great power to be completely irresponsible and oblivious with. That is, that is what I want for myself. Can you believe that we've been doing this for 55 minutes? Yes, I can. Yeah, it feels like three to me because I'm that level of drunk where things are whipping by really fast and I'm unaware of how... I think I even had other points about the Munsters movie that I just completely don't remember anymore. But I Maybe. think perhaps the most important thing is is that I, at, like, I didn't enjoy it because it was good, but I also didn't enjoy it because it was bad, like The Room. It was just this weird thing that I was fine with. There's no... Point to the original monsters at all. There is no point to the monsters today. Like the characters and the stuff is not nearly as developed as the Adams family and stuff like which is why there's been so many successful versions of that. Like other people can play Gomez. Like, yeah, yeah, Raul Julia is the one we all love, but if you watch the black and white one, like I don't know who that was, but he did a great Gomez Adams because the characters were fleshed out in that weird comic series that I have an entire book of somewhere that I really hope oh, I didn't cool. lose, but I got it as a gift from my grandparents once or something. It was really cool. It was the compendium of all the old black and white Charles Adams, like Adams family cartoons of them doing diabolical things. Or there's one of like Uncle Fester, like waving a, a, a truck to pass him because he could see around uh, a mountain highway that there was another truck coming. It's just like, <laughs> just those single frame far side, like everyone's about to die. Like, I, I love those. And uh, yeah, but you know, it was based off of a fleshed out thing. So other people can step into the role of Gomez Adams. Whereas the Munsters was some weird thing, probably just made up because the Adams family was popular. You do realize that both of those shows were on at the same time when there was about 11 shows. Like, why are, <laughs> why is 20% of the available TV that isn't the news or golf about weird gothic monster people in the 1960s? Like, what the fuck was happening? It's like Andy Griffith, Frankenstein, like, yeah, whatever. Uh, but the thing about the, the original Munsters that I I liked that made it good was Fred Gwynn's portrayal of Herman Munster. Like th that was the thing about the new one. It's wacky and crazy, but the stakes are low because who even cares? So watching it wasn't like it was, but they're ruining the monsters. Like who shut the fuck up. Like you don't give a shit. Like you wear a t-shirt of it because you're a goth kid in a punk band. You've never watched a whole episode. You're just like, look at that. The monsters, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the actor that played the original Herman Munster was the reason to watch that show. And he was the guy who's the cop in Car 54, Where Are You? He was the judge in cousin, My Cousin Vinny, which, if you haven't seen, is very good. And according to Legal Eagle's YouTube channel, is actually one of the more accurately portrayed courtroom sequences in movies because they're always done really bad. But everything in My Cousin Vinny was super realistic, I guess, which is insane. That's hilarious. Yeah, he was like, it's got its things, but it actually is kind of like surprisingly the way they do discovery and stuff it was actually like written by people that somehow kind of act you know court stuff's always it's like doctor shit yeah like yeah. where they're like like bringing people back with the uh paddles when their hearts stop like that's not what those actually do like it's all wrong like everything on tv is fucking wrong except for my cousin Vinny, where herman munster was the judge and he's yelling at uh um joe pesci 
He's like, you're out of the two Utes. Like, uh, what is a Ute? Um, <laughs> and he was Judd Crandall, the kindly old neighbor in Pet Cemetery that knew that there was an evil cursed cemetery about a hundred yards from his house. And lived there anyway. Yeah, it'd just be like... Like, you don't want to bury your pets back anywhere past there. The old uh, Micmac Indian burial ground, the ground's been solid, they say. They come <laughs> back, and uh, a lot of little boys, little girls, been very made very sad by that, that highway. The semis run over their kitties and puppies. And they you know, bury them in the, uh, the regular cemetery. Well, that's one thing. But you go into the other one, which also... Uh, like, apparently he'd been back there, too. Which is just utterly, completely terrifying, because... Pet Cemetery was one of the first Stephen King. When I went and read the actual book, when I, I learned that he was he took a lot from H.P. Lovecraft, which makes sense because he's like the original horror writer. But he they, talks about things like when they go back into the 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 actual scary cemetery thing, like they would like look up at the constellations and they'd all be like wrong and different. It's like, what the fuck? Like that's some Lovecraft shit right there. Also completely unsettling. I once uh uh the ex-girlfriend I had um, moved here and uh, I took her to Minnehaha Falls and I, I, I basically she had never read Pet Cemetery or H.P. Lovecraft so I told her that when you like go down to this part under the falls and you look at the sky all the constellations will be different and stuff and like time goes by all weird and I actually had her believing me and she was having a full-blown panic attack wow. then yeah like we wandered into some kids that were just like probably smoking pot but one of them was laying on like a picnic table and she's like are they sacrificing that person and I'm like that's what they do here. <laughs> we oh best uh, we best to go the other way unless we end up on that table. <laughs> She's like, you have to be joking. I'm like, you recognize that constellation? Which, by the way, nobody does. No one has the constellations memorized except for Orion's belt. I'm like, see that? That's not normally. Normally that's like. Big Dipper. Like, we're somewhere else when we're here. And she's like, that is so fucking terrifying. I'm like, yeah, I'm fun. But. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. But. Eh, old Judd Crandall, old Herman Munster that lived there, he's just kind of like, yeah, so if you go over there, you're sort of in another dimension, technically, and when you bury stuff, they come back to life evil or whatever, but, you know, I'm not gonna move. Like, I'm not gonna be like, I like living in this house in Bangor, Maine, and uh, I'm not gonna go get an apartment where there's no zombies. And, yeah, and then he gets killed. Spoiler, if you haven't watched the 80s Pet Cemetery movie. Uh... Maybe he was just like a, a puppet of like Stephen King was real big on like you know, Pennywise was you know the clown was actually just sort of a projection of this evil spider monster. The clown wasn't really like really there in that. He was like this Freddy Kruegerish mind implant thing. I think was the, in the that book was brought to you by cocaine yeah, I, I and I've, I've read that, that is a seven hundred page book that could have been fifty. Yeah, I, I <laughs> read that, that book and is. I was all it was like wow. That it is just cocaine riddled nonsense. Yeah, it seemed real weird and hard to get through when I was a kid. But then when I like went and like I, I breezed through a little of it, like after learning what cocaine was and that Stephen King loved it back then, I was like, I see, I yeah, see. It actually would like gave me more anxiety knowing that he was on so much cocaine. So I'm like, oh my god, I'm just seeing it happen before my eyes, and it's just yeah. Oh, calm down. No, he was he was a guy where success really like got like he was like a, a you know like a you can't get famous writing books like yeah but, like he's like one of what three people ever you can name that's like a famous horror writer it's like yeah it, and somehow he like every single book he made was getting turned into a really successful movie so he's just like all right well you got to keep churning these out baby he's like i can make one about a cloud in the sewer but it's actually a space tarantula ah! and they're like yeah here's a million dollars knock yourself out <laughs> like you uh, what? It's like yeah, do whatever you can do. You want more cocaine? We have some here. I mean, yeah, we're we're in the entertainment business, buddy. Yeah, your wife's gonna leave for a while. She'll be back. You know, you're and yeah, I guess everything's good with him and his kids now. Thank God. But yeah, uh, I don't know why I'm talking about that. Oh, oh pet subject, right? So yeah, the the old guy, the old kindly neighbor. That guy being Herman Munster is the only reason that Herman Munster was any kind of thing that. Because otherwise it's stupid. It's just like, it's a Frankenstein man married to a Dracula lady and they have a werewolf boy and they got to go to the <laughs> store with normal people and they're like, what? And we all learn something about celebrating our differences. And um, 
There's no reason to do that. I mean, no, they, they had these Mr. Rogersy like sort of messages, which, by the way, were never really well interwoven into the story. It would just be like, Herman and Grandpa build a race car and, like, <laughs> enter the fucking wacky racers thing or Death Race 2000, and then, like, it, it blows up and they chase it away in fast motion, and at the end, like, Herman Lester sits down and is like, well, the important thing to remember is no matter what people look like on the outside, it's the inside that counts. And, like, when you're driving around like a race car shaped like a coffin... Like, that had nothing to do with the rest of the show. So when people go, Rob Zombie ruined the Munsters, it would be like, <laughs> like, like it, I don't know, like me reenact. I can't even come up with any kind of good, bad example because whatever I say is either going to be funny and you'll be like, actually, I would love it if John did that. So I'm not going to fucking bother. The point is, is that Herman Munster was ahead of his time and Stephen King based all of his work off H.P. Lovecraft and Mr. Rogers based his messages off of the Munsters. The Reverend John Wheeler podcast takes zero responsibility for the words, actions, or ideas of its host, guests, or listeners. Though the people on the screen may at times be speaking directly to you and may occasionally give you direct calls to action, neither Reverend John nor the Alchemical Cocktail Lounge are under any moral or legal obligation to answer for the potentially disastrous repercussions that may arise if you are stupid enough to actually follow the orders of a raving lunatic. Think for yourself and do whatever you want because you're on your own. If anyone ever tries to sue this podcast, Black SUVs will converge on your location in the darkness of night and you will never be seen again. Remember to like and subscribe.